in a way it's like cooking in, in, in a kitchen, but, but way more advanced and you have to get it right. You have to get all the material properties right. Or um, if you're wrong on any of the parameters, then you, you risk losing your entire multi-million dollar, billion dollar spacecraft. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Awesoming podcast. We have been, uh, we've been in hiatus for a little bit, working on a couple other projects. Um, most importantly, the Unbridled Spirit Volume 2 book. So if you don't know anything about that, it is a collection of stories from Kentucky's most successful entrepreneurs. And if you email g at awesomeink.org, I'll make sure to follow up with you and get you a discounted copy because it is, uh, it's been a really fun project that our team has worked on. But that being said, now we're getting back to what we love doing. And this is sharing stories, sitting down with entrepreneurs across our state. And today I'm sitting down with someone who was actually on the set and in the movie of Top Gun 2, and he will be humble about it. His name is Matt Shea, and he is with Canopy Aerospace, was a former Five Across uh, pitch contestant, did, did excellently, had one of the better trivia questions about burning flesh, I believe, uh, and, and heat, and that was uh, pretty interesting. But we're going to be talking about things that are way over my head and really just the cool innovation that's coming in, in our state, uh, mostly in the, the aerospace, the aeronautical, all the things that are above my head. But Matt, this is where I, I stop talking and I let you get to brag on yourself. So, would you mind giving the the good folks who are who are tuning in today uh, a quick background on you, who you are, what you studied, how the heck we ended up here today, and uh, maybe just a, a little little teaser about what your company solves. Yeah, yeah, sounds great, Garrett. Um, thanks for having me. Good to see you again. And um, yeah, so going into my background, started out, um, you know, born in Nashville, lived there for a couple of years, so. Um, Grew up in California for a little bit, Southern California, until I was about 12. And then family ended up moving out here to Lexington, where I ended up going to Beaumont Middle School, went to Delmar High School right down the road, and then ended up going to UK. So pretty local to the community here. Um, you know, had, had gone to school initially because I wanted to go into law enforcement at EKU. That's where I had started and then quickly transferred, um, realized that I, I wanted to join the Air Force after. So... Ended up going to UK, did the Air Force ROTC program there, uh, graduated commission, and then uh, went in as what's called a combat systems officer. So those are our air crew members that manage, operate, employ weapon systems, electronic warfare, uh, and do all the mission planning, navigation. So um, ended up in, in Pensacola, Florida for about two years there doing some training. Um, from there was assigned to my, my aircraft, the B-52. So uh, ended up being a B-52 weapons officer, so um, was based out of good old northwest Louisiana for about four years. From from there, deployed a couple times, did Southeast Asia, flew some nuclear deterrence missions out there, uh, and then was was quickly deployed again to the Middle East, where we were supporting uh, a lot of the, the counter-terrorist operations out there. Um, did that for another six months and then came back, and then for my last assignment, Spent time in Europe as a uh, early as an officer that was more so advising U.S. and NATO forces, taking my, my operational and tactical uh, knowledge and integrating that into longer term uh, military strategy out there. Uh, and then also leading some smaller tactical ground teams out there. So that was about two years ago. Got out, ended up 
making a career pivot. So the best way to do that for for military members was to uh, pursue an MBA and, and try to figure out the business side of things. And I, I wanted to pursue the commercial side and the um, uh, civilian side. So ended up applying to MBA programs, ended up in Chicago for the last two years, um, where I came across the opportunity that is Canopy today. So had spent some time figuring out what I wanted to do, um, but had joined an incubator program out of DC called FedTech, where they, they look at a lot of federal lab technology from three or four letter agencies and w- was assessing different markets, different opportunities there, looking at um, you know if there was something I could solve there on the market. So that's where I was introduced to the space side, NASA, and quickly, um, quickly understood what was going on in the market there, just from speaking to um, the, the folks at NASA who have been developing uh, spacecraft systems for the last few decades. And so we were introduced to the team there that's been developing heat shields for the last few decades, anywhere from you know your, your ICBM missile systems to your reentry capsules and then your space shuttle program, the thermal tiles on there, and then your now your reusable rockets and, and hypersonic platforms and systems today. So very quickly, we, we got, you know, kind of an understanding there that there was a pretty large market opportunity for uh, developing and manufacturing thermal protection for a lot of spacecraft systems. So right now we're in a, a new space race, space race 2.0. Yeah, so going, going back to the moon there, um, we're in a, a new hypersonic race as well. So a lot of things happening in space over the next decade, a lot of spacecraft systems being built. And as part of that, the supply chain uh, needs to support that as well. So Started speaking to space companies, did a lot of market research, customer discovery, and just found very quickly that there was a problem in the market today, a manufacturing supply chain problem. And so uh, started the company about a year ago in October, uh, put together a small startup team during business school, uh, started doing additional market research, um, engaging with customers, getting letters of support, letters of intent. And from there, fast forward into the summer uh, raised a, a first stage, first round of funding, about two million there. So cl- closed that up in August, uh, mostly from from institutional investors, some high net worth angels there. So um, got some pretty strong backing there. And then from there, just having kind of heads down, full build mode, trying to build out uh, the core team, and then getting the, the initial factory set up. But um, at the same time, in September, we, we also joined the TechStars. Uh, LA cohort, which was uh, uh, 12 companies, split of six space companies, six um, general industry companies. And that was uh, what I've been doing for the last three months, been out in LA, um, you know, which is why you haven't been seeing me around, but w- was out there um, developing uh, kind of the, the business model, um, engaging with customers, and then also developing some newer strategy that, that we're working on now. Matt, I did. I just want to freaking scream and you're hilarious you are you are so humble you just said all, you just said your entire background yeah super casual i did this did this well first off man thanks for your service i really appreciate it i know a lot of our a lot of our good folks in kentucky are just grateful for all of our service members and also the fact that you just 
dropped half of the nuggets you did so casually. It's so impressive. But we'll leave maybe some of this in the background for a second. We'll come back to it. Uh, also want to highlight the fact that you just said, hey, we got admitted to Techstars. And again, if, if you don't know what that, that company does, they help scale programs in there. I'd say one of the highest caliber companies that helps startups grow and accelerate very quickly in our nation. So, man, hats off to you and the team for what you guys have been able to be a part of and really excited to hear about your growth coming quickly and already closing that first round. That is super solid stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. thanks. Super, thanks super cool. Yeah. yeah, well, hey, that's that's what I'm here for, man. I'm, I'm your biggest cheerleader. So uh, I, I said it earlier that you were on the set of Top Gun 2. That might have been a bold-faced lie, and so I apologize. But <laughs> one of the things that you mentioned is the the hypersonic plane, and you mentioned some of the, the heat shield technology earlier when you were talking about what Canopy does. Would you mind giving some some frame of reference again? I think most people by now have probably seen that movie. So can you make some maybe some correlation to what they saw on TV to what you do? And then maybe a fault question. I would say a lot of people have probably seen some sort of James Bond movie or some spy movie where they see missile systems and rockets and all that. Can you can you speak into what people see in a movie or on TV versus reality? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, that's that's a good question. So what Canopy does is we develop and manufacture thermal protection systems. Uh, the acronym in the industry it's known for is TPS or or heat shields. And so when an aircraft or, or a spacecraft travels anything above Mach 5, it enters hypersonic speeds. <laughs> and wow, so <laughs> when, when you're entering these hypersonic speeds, you, you get a lot of air friction. And so things start to get really hot. You need thermal protection that, that's lightweight and that can survive those temperature ranges. And so the, the start of class of thermal protection came out of going to space and coming back. So when you're re-entering the atmosphere, you're often re-entering at Mach 15, Mach 20, right? 20 times the speed of sound. 20 times the speed of sound. Yeah, depending on how far you, out you go into space <laughs> and come back. So, so if you're looking at, wow. you know, some terms, um, you know, you start getting familiar with on the space side, LEO, low earth economy. So that's, that's going out to about 1,200 miles or so out, out um, outside of orbit okay. around the earth. Okay. Um, when you're approaching re-entering the, the, the atmosphere, um, you're around 50, Mach 15 to 20. Um, pretty fast, but it can also get faster too. Um, a recent example, like the Orion spacecraft, which was a re-entry yep. capsule that yep. went to the moon and came, and came back, that, that approached speeds of Mach 32. So 32 times the speed of sound or about 25,000 miles an hour. Gosh, 25,000 miles an hour. Yeah, so... I can't, I can't even fathom that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so if you can imagine, right, you have this new space economy, space race, where we're trying to be an interplanetary species and, and go to different planets. Well, anytime you come back to Earth, you're, you're entering at extreme speeds. And so it doesn't look as easy as the movies make it. You have to have uh, these, these critical systems, heat shields, that are lightweight enough, that are, are um, strong enough to actually survive reentry, uh, and, and then can protect everything that's inside, whether it's people or, or a payload and things like that. Um, so it's a pretty critical material that we identified last year that a lot of the commercial space industry needs. So rocket systems, reusable rockets, reentry capsules. Um, there's a new class in space called in-space manufacturing where we're going to go manufacture things in space, microgravity, <laughs> and and bring that stuff back down to space, from a, space. So cool. Have and, you been to space yourself? 
Not yet. Not yeah, yet. Not I like yet. that. Not yet. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, you, you keep talking about reentry is is part of the issue just with with the science. You, you know, you, you come in and you're your spacecraft or, you know, your, your plane is super hot. And so it's about the material that keeps, again, like, like you mentioned, the people inside or the payload cool, or is it actually about procure, procuring, I think that's the right word, uh, the, the right materials to, you know, to make reentry easier. Yeah. Can you speak into that a little bit as well? Yeah. So the, the media problem in the industry is supply chain. Okay. There, no one knows how to make it commercially. The ones that do are your, large aerospace companies, yep. right? Yep. Boeing's, Lockheed's, SpaceX. They're able to vertically integrate, hire NASA, work with NASA, and develop a lot of these manufacturing and material processes in-house. However, the, the problem with that is it's not a horizontally integrated solution for the rest of the industry. Um, the supply chain doesn't exist. When, when a newer early stage space company wants to go develop a spacecraft, they have to go to NASA and they have to get NASA to, to teach them how to make the right heat shield material, use heat shield material that's qualified, that has flight heritage, that has flown. And it's a very difficult material to make. And right, it's like, in a way, it's like cooking in, in, in a kitchen, but, but way more advanced. And you have to get it right. You have to get all the material properties right. Or um, if you're wrong on any of the parameters, then you, you risk losing your entire multi-million dollar, billion dollar spacecraft. Gosh, dude, that is wild. <laughs> I'm, I'm just blown away that we even had this conversation. I feel I feel like I've just gotten some some government clearance that I've never had before. So that's super cool. Well, l- let me ask this. So you mentioned again y- your background with with being in the Air Force, and you spent some time abroad you know, in in Asia and in, in the Middle East, and you also networked with people. You went to that accelerator in, in DC. What was what was maybe that that pivotal conversation or the thing that, you know, was your aha moment that made you say, I really want to spend time solving the problem that exists within this market or, yeah, I, I you know, I experienced this with my time in the Air Force or something in that vein. I could be way off, but what was maybe that one moment that you realized, hey, there's a very big problem here and I want to help solve this? Yeah, so two points on that. The first one is being part of the mission. And then the second point is the whole market and problem that, that needs to be solved. So on the mission side, on the personal side, what was very compelling to me was, well, I'd flown in aircraft, very complex systems that, that required a very robust supply chain. A, a lot of commercial industry went into developing the aircraft systems and you know all the systems that supported the military. So by leaving the military, I was always looking for a way to still contribute to the mission as well. So this is more of my way of indirectly supporting aerospace, defense, right, and the rest of the commercial industry by plugging back into that supply chain of a critical material. And, and so space is, it's a new, it's considered a new warfighting domain, right, defensive, offensive operations that, that will happen in the future. So uh, I don't think it'll get to like the scale of Star Wars, things like that. But um, there, there's a lot of a lot of opportunity in space right now. And the U.S. as a country wants to secure that. So by being able to contribute to that mission, I think was something that that hit home for me on the market opportunity side. As we were researching the market, trying to understand the, what the problem was, I think the I, I had a few calls last year around this time, and they were with space companies that said, 
hey, I would buy material from you today because we have no way of getting it. Wow. And, you know, it's critical to our system. We've raised a lot of capital, but we would have to build out an entire process. And we didn't realize that. So by coming online and, and developing the actual manufacturing base for it, we can actually solve a lot of problems across aerospace and space. Um, but then as we were developing that strategy and developing the manufacturing framework for that, we also uncovered, well, there's a terrestrial market too. terrestrial market being, um, things like automobiles, right. Uh, in heavy industrials, electronics and the medical industry. And so we're actually in the middle of a, a kind of redevelopment of our strategy and how we're approaching the market with where we're just hyper-focused on one vertical of the industry, which was thermal protection, and went very deep into that industry, understood it very well, but at the same time found that, well, we're developing a platform which is design and development using 3D printing, additive manufacturing, uh, to actually 3D print materials um, that can be used across a number of di different industries as well. Dude, you're so smart. <laughs> I love this. Well, let me ask, let me ask this. What is, you know, your, your business model? How, how are you guys going to scale make company? Is it just B2B transactions or is there some software component that you, that you are, your team is developing? Do they blend together? Yeah. Can we might talk about that? Yeah. So at the core, we are advanced manufacturing. The, the business model is developing and manufacturing material. So by 3d printing it, initially we can get rid of a lot of the initial costs. Okay. Because um, the way it's made today is that you're you're using small batch process manufacturing, you're using injection molding, casting, things like that, which at the very end, you still have to do CNC machining. You have to cut off a lot of material. It's a lot of material waste, and it takes a long time because these are very low-density porous materials. They have very low RPM rates when you machine them, so it can take hours to, to even a whole day to machine a small part. So by introducing 3D printing, which is a, a newer technology for ceramics, then you can additively build it up and have lower material waste. Uh, but then you can also reduce a lot of your, your lead time as well. Um, on, on the business model side, a lot of the design and development software that, that we're producing right now is making the whole customer experience easier. So going back to DFM design for manufacturing kind of principles is is well, you know, the customer needs to know, you know, from start to finish, um, quoting the material, pricing it, designing, developing it, that always is pretty fragmented right now as as an industry. Most most companies that are building out vehicles or platforms, they develop the the spec or, or component in-house and then they they go out and you know they may use like a third-party engineering service. But then they still have to work with a manufacturer if they don't have that capability to, to manufacture it for them. And oftentimes there's there's a disconnect in communication there. So um, as a company, we want to vertically integrate part of the, the supply chain and manufacturing process to where we can do design and development. We can do the manufacturing and then we can also do the material science, the R&D part as well, and bring on newer material classes that can actually have better properties uh, or more cost effective as well uh, and then can... Uh, you know, support the, the overall industry at scale. And that's one of the problems in the industry today is, is it's a very niche part of the industry, but um, um, there, there's some advancement that needs to be done. Wow. You know, in, in my head, again, we're, I, I hit the stop on the recording. We're, you know, we're off the record right now. Is there some like crazy material that you guys are getting, you know, like in, in the Marvel series, there's, 
you know, uh, like adamantium or like yeah. vibranium? Or is there some like material that you guys are using like that? Or are you just simply, we're going, you know, 3D printing to next phase of this manufacturing process to get everything, every piece right, every cut right before we, we put this yeah, on metal? Can, How does all this work? I can speak to like, so our IP is in process and okay. manufacturing IP right now, but we are assessing newer materials right now to bring on. Um, so I can speak to a little bit of that. Um, so are we recording right now? Uh, yeah, that was a oh. joke, but if you actually, need, if you can't say it, then don't say it. Oh, <laughs> I, I was just being goofy. Like, Hey, okay, there, there's, yeah. there's some, something here that most people don't know about. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no worries there. Um, yeah. So we're, we're, we're taking existing IP and technology out of NASA, the material IP, which has flown and has flight heritage. And that's important for aerospace and space because everything needs to be highly qualified. You have to be very risk adverse. And so we're taking that pre-existing technology, but we're building IP around the manufacturing process, uh, which is by introducing the 3D printing, which is bringing a lot of that design development in-house. But at the same time, we're also assessing new materials um, that are on the market today, um, you know, whether it's, it's individuals that, that have invented it in the past or it's... It's a technology that hasn't been commercialized or scaled, where we're looking at basically shoring up that into our portfolio and then commercializing it and building it at scale. So I can't speak to what those materials are exactly because we're, we're trying to, to bring them on board right now. Um, but um, yeah, a lot of the, the material IP, we're using a lot of advanced thermal protection that, that came out of NASA that isn't commercially available. Dude, this is so cool. Oh my gosh. I feel like a kid in a candy shop. This is, this is seriously awesome. Well, let me ask you this, Matt. I know there's probably a ton more that you could go in in depth wise, but maybe, uh, either IP or some things we need to keep off the record, which I told to get, what is, what's one thing that you are hoping to accomplish over the next calendar year? So again, we're wrapping up 2022 right now. What's something that you're hoping to accomplish by this time next year with, with Canopy? Yeah, so over the next year, we'd like to build out the, the expanded core team. So making some full-time hires right now, which, um, you know, as you know, and, and a lot of startup founders know, hiring is, is one of the most difficult things. So yep. building the team right now, we, we have a lot of fractional members, really good advisors, mentors, but um, um, really want to prove out with our first round of funding, we can build the team that's going to build out the rest of the company and go on to raise more funding. So Hitting the milestones there on, on, on hiring, building the team. Um, the second one would be overall business development. So converting our letters of intent right now, potential customers we have yep. to, to revenue. So we're getting to qualification in quarter two next year, um, actually manufacturing material that can be used um, with space vehicles. So selling to them, getting to revenue early on as a space company. Um, and then overall getting to that next round of funding because space is very capital intensive, but um, we're, we're developing a, a different manufacturing model where we can actually cash flow a lot quicker by expanding into other markets, um, which we're, we're still developing that strategy right now, but planning to, to raise a bit more capital in the next two months um, to extend our runway. And then late next year, um, raising a, a much larger round to, to bring on additional 3D printers, equipment, and expand the team and, and really accelerate uh, the space industry and then also the whole hypersonic uh, timeline as well for, for the U.S. Dude, that's amazing. Can you, uh, off the, maybe off the record, uh, or off the cuff is actually the correct phrase. So off the cuff, what is, uh, this is me just being curious, what's one of your, your favorite memories of being in the Air Force? Flying a plane, 
maybe share as much detail as you know you're allowed to with maybe some cool mission you were on or a cool piece of technology that you were able to get your hands on? All right. Yeah. So uh, I'll start with a personal kind of more fun story and then uh, a professional kind of mission story that that I uh, felt really, um, um, you know, proud of. So on, on the kind of the fun side in the Air Force, we have these things um, as being part of air crew, um, these things called roll calls. Uh, so usually every Friday or other Friday or so we'd get together, share stories, um, you know, poke fun at each other, drink a little bit. Um, but, you know, those were really good times because, you know, we would go out, fly missions during the week and we'd come back and, you know, call, all hang out in the bar. Um, but the, the kind of heritage of a roll call comes from World War II when they would actually, you know, do these roll calls, but it was more so, hey, like who made it back from a mission? So they would call out names, sure, things like sure. that. And you, you know, basically have a drink, pour a drink out for someone. But that's evolved into more of a social aspect now these days. Um, but that was you know, what was really, really great about the Air Force was building up that morale, that team mentality. So it's definitely something I miss there. On, you know, the kind of the cool mission side, I'd say probably one of the missions from the Middle East when I deployed there um, was, you know, coming back from a mission and I'll keep it more kind of vague. Yeah, totally but, um, you know, coming back from a mission, a uh, bunch of ISIS terrorists had, had taken over uh, an, an oil field out there. And so we were uh, tasked to, to basically eliminate um, all, all the, 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 the um, uh, enemies out there and um, got on station there and, and you know, assessed the, the whole situation. And um, we, we had come back with, you know, it was kind of a slower day. We didn't we didn't drop uh, most of our munitions earlier okay. on. So we had basically like a full load of 2,000 pound bombs, 500 pound bombs, and um, basically got cleared to engage and, and destroy all these targets out there. But it was an oil field. And, you know, when you blow those things up, um, you get a lot of fire, a lot of smoke. So mm -hmm. um, did all that in one pass and, and successfully cut off ISIS from funding a lot of their operations with oil because they would go take over oil fields and then they would go and sell that to, to other countries and, and make a profit off that. And at one time they were making hundreds of millions of dollars. Wow. Um, in a, in a year, just funding their operations with that. So cutting off their, their funding, their supply chain, um, that was a, a very compelling and, and just a cool mission to be a part of, um, yeah, dude, you're badass. <laughs> I got to say it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, again, I uh, hope it doesn't, you know, hope it, it carries a lot of weight. But just even hearing that story, man, like, thanks so much for the work that, that you've done and all of our surf, service members. Uh, it definitely does not go unrecognized. And dude, you're a freaking hero. That's awesome. So appreciate you, Matt. And then last question. Again, we, we're talking about being an entrepreneur in the state of Kentucky some some uh, of, our, of our team, we were we were um, on a, a new spot a few weeks ago, and just talking about the work that we do. We're talking about aerospace and TPS systems and going Mach thirty two, based off people from Kentucky. Like that's that's not what people think about. They think about bourbon basketball, maybe being barefoot in parts of the state. Yeah. Like that's people's stereotypes I'm outside of Kentucky. Also a fan of those things. Yeah, well, me, me too. <laughs> I, I, I'm currently barefoot. But what what prompted a Kentucky guy to start a company here. What has kept you in Kentucky? So I know you, I know you travel, you, you spent some time in LA and in other accelerators, but what keeps you in Kentucky 
why'd you start a company in Kentucky and what spurs you on as a Kentuckian to continue doing this work? Yeah. So at the very core, a lot of it's family. So I have, have a lot of family here. My, my wife is from here as well. So all of her family is here. So um, easier starting a company, putting roots down here. Um, and then you know, I'm doing a lot of traveling back and forth right now between here, mm-hmm. California, Colorado. But for, for now, it's, it's a good home base. Um, being able to just come home to, to see the family. I have a, a four-year-old son as well. So trying to spend as much time growing up and, and contributing to the family. So I think that's uh, the most important thing is starting a company is great, you know, being very mission focused, solving problems for the world. But um, I think you always have to put family first. And, and that's what I'm, I'm hoping I'm doing a good job at that, uh, trying, always trying to do, do better at it. But um, that's that's what's kept me here over over last year. That's awesome. Well, Matt, dude, you're a stud. Appreciate the time and uh, thanks for the work you're doing. And I can't wait until we get together again and you say, yeah, I just spent, you know, six weeks up in space. Get at, get at me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Garrett. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevear and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz, or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in and let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.